0: Thank you and welcome to our podcast, My Personal Library. I am Prajnat Alikoti, a filmmaker by profession, and I'm going to read and share my personal thoughts on some of my favorite stories from various books, authors, genres, etc. And a small disclaimer, rights of these stories are with their respective publishers or authors. This podcast is produced by Pixels Unlimited and narrated by me, that is Prajnat Alikoti. Today I'm going to read short story written by O. Henry. The Romance of Busy Broker William Sidney Porter, better known by his pen name O. Henry, was an American short story writer. Henry was a master of surprise endings who wrote about the life of ordinary people in New York City. A twist of plot which turns on an ironic or coincidental circumstance is typical of O. Henry's stories. Some of O. Henry's works include The Gift of Maggie, The Duplicity of Hargraves, and Ransom of Red Chief. His legacy includes the O. Henry Award, an annual prize awarded to outstanding short stories. The Romance of Busy Broker. Pitcher, confidential clerk in the office of Harvey Maxwell, broker, allowed a look of mild interest and surprise to visit his usually expressionless countenance when his employer briskly entered at half past nine in company with his young lady stenographer. With a snappy, good morning, Pitcher. Maxwell dashed at his desk as though he were intending to leap over it, and then plunged into a great heap of letters and telegrams waiting there for him. The young lady had been Maxwell's stenographer for a year. She was beautiful in a way that was decidedly unstenographic. She forwent the pomp of alluring pompadour. She wore no chains, bracelets, or lockets. She had not the air of being about to accept an invitation to luncheon. Her dress was grey and plain but it fitted her figure with fidelity and discretion. In her neat black turban hat was the gold-green wing of Macau. On this morning, she was softly and shyly radiant. Her eyes were dreamily bright, her cheeks genuine peach glow. her expression a happy one, tinged with reminiscence. Instead of going straight into adjoining room where her desk was, she lingered slightly irresolute in the outer office. Once she moved over by Maxwell's desk, near enough for him to be aware of her presence. The machine sitting at that desk was no longer a man. It was busy New York broker, moved by buzzing wheels and uncoiling springs. ''Well, what is it? Anything?'' asked Maxwell sharply. His open mail lay like a bank of state snow on his crowded desk. His keen grey eye, impersonal and brisk, flashed upon her half impatiently. ''Nothing?'' Answered the stenographer, moving away with a light smile. Mr. Pitcher, she said to the confidential clerk. Did Mr. Maxwell say anything yesterday about engaging another stenographer? He did, answered Pitcher. He told me to get another one. I notified the agency yesterday afternoon to send over a few samples this morning. It's 9.45 o'clock and not a single pitcher hat or piece of pineapple chewing gum has showed up yet. I will do the work as usual then, said the young lady until someone comes to fill the place and she went to her desk at once and hung the black turban hat with gold green macaw wing in its accustomed place. He who has been denied the spectacle of busy Manhattan broker during the rush of business is handicapped for the profession of anthropology. The poet sings of the crowded hour of glorious life. The broker's hour is not only crowded, but the minutes and seconds are hanging to all the straps and packings, both front and rear platforms. And this day was Harvey Maxwell's busy day. The ticker began to reel out jerkily its fistful coils of tapes. The desk telephone had a chronic attack of buzzing. Men began to thong into the office and call at him over the railing, jovially, sharply, viciously, excitedly. Messenger boys ran in and out with messages and telegrams. The clerks in the office jumped about like a sailor's during a storm. Even Pitcher's face relaxed into something resembling animation. On the exchange, there were hurricanes and landslides and snowstorms and glaciers and volcanoes. And those elemental disturbances were reproduced in a miniature in the broker's offices. Maxwell shoved his chair against the wall and transacted business after the manner of a toe dancer. He jumped from ticker to phone from desk to door with the trained agility of a harlequin. In the midst of this growing and important stress, the broker became suddenly aware of a high-rolled French of golden hair under a nodding canopy of velvet and ostrich tips, an imitation sealskin squawk, and string of beads as large as hickory nuts, ending near the floor with a silver heart. There was self-possessed young lady connected with these accessories, and Pitcher was there to construe her. Lady from stenographers' Agency to see about the position, said Pitcher. Maxwell turned half around with his hands full of papers and ticker tape. What position? he asked with a frown. "'Position of a stenographer?' said Pitcher. "'You told me yesterday to call them up and have one sent over this morning?' "'You're losing your mind, Pitcher,' said Maxwell. "'Why should I have given you any such instruction? "'Miss Leslie has given perfect satisfaction during the year she has been here. "'The place is hers as long as she chooses to retain it. "'There is no place open here, madam. "'Countermand that order with the agency. "'Pitcher, and don't bring any more of them in here.' "'The silver heart left the office.' swinging and banging itself independently against the office furniture, as it indignantly departed. Pitcher seized a moment to remark to the bookkeeper that the old man seemed to get more absent-minded and forgetful every day of the world. The rush and pace of the business grew fiercer and faster. On the floor, they were pounding half a dozen stock in which Maxwell's customers were heavy investors. Orders to buy and sell were coming and going as swift as the flight of swallows. Some of his own holdings were imperiled, and the man was working like some high-geared, delicate, strong machine, strung to full tension, going at full speed, accurate, never hesitating, with a proper word and decision, and act ready and prompt as clockwork. Stocks and bonds and loans and mortgages and margins and securities. Here was a world of finance. There was no room in it for the human world or the world of nature. When the luncheon hour drew near, there came a slight lull in the uproar. Maxwell stood by his desk with his hands full of telegrams and memoranda, with a fountain pen over his right ear and his hair hanging in disorderly strings over his forehead. His window was open, for the beloved janitor's spring had turned on a little warmth through the waking registers of the earth. And through a window, came a wandering, perhaps lost odour, a delicate, sweet odour of lilac that fixed the broker for a moment immovable for this odour belonged to Miss Leslie it was her own and hers only the odour brought her vividly almost tangibly before him the world of finance dwindled suddenly to a speck and she was in the next room, twenty steps away by George, I'll do it now said Maxwell, half aloud I'll ask her now I wonder I didn't do it long ago. He dashed into inner office with a haste of shot trying to cover. He changed upon the desk of the stenographer. She looked up at him with a smile. A soft pink crept over her cheek. And her eyes were kind and frank. Maxwell leaned one elbow on her desk. He still clutched fluttering papers with both hands. And the pen was above his ear. Miss Leslie, he began hurriedly. I have, I have but a moment to spare. I want to say something in that moment. Will you, will you be my wife? I haven't had time to make love to you in the ordinary way. But I really do love you. Talk Quick, please, those fellows are clubbing the stuffing out of Pacific. Oh, what are you talking about? exclaimed the young lady. She rose to her feet and gazed upon him, round-eyed. Don't you understand? said Maxwell restively. I want you to marry me. I love you, Miss Leslie. I wanted to tell you, and I snatched a minute when things had slackened up a bit. They're calling me for the phone now. Tell them to wait a minute, Pitcher. Won't you, Miss Leslie? The stenographer acted very coolly. At first, she seemed overcome with amazement. Then, tears flowed from her wondering eyes, and then she smiled sunnily through them. And one of her arms slid tenderly about the broker's neck. I know now, she said softly. It's this old business that has driven everything else out of your head for the time. I was frightened at first. Don't you remember, Harvey? We were married last evening at 8 o'clock in the little church around the corner. You know what I like about the stories? They give a small sneak peek in lives of people who lived hundreds of years ago. About their lifestyle, their dressing style, their thought process but mostly it is humbling to know how much has changed in this time and yet remain same in various ways like let me explain so loved ones in our lives are just a click away but yet so far that everyone is busy mindlessly disappearing into our devices but in the same time women have come such a long way from being just a secretary and stenographers to becoming ceos and mds and entrepreneurs so Moral of this story, I feel, is just be more present and share some good quality time with your loved ones. Hope you like the story written by author O. Henry, The Romance of Busy Broker. I am Prajnat Ali Koti. You are listening to My Personal Library, The Podcast. You can subscribe, rate and review on Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify or wherever you get the podcast. To know more, please follow Pixels Unlimited on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. Thank you for your time. Keep on listening.